Yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Yambar Podcast. I'm Barcelona, host of this episode. Today's guest, brilliant, multi-talented musician, singer-songwriter, entertainer, Bud Zunga. Thank you, Bud, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for joining this podcast. I love being here. I always love being next to you. You smell great. <laughs> oh, wow. And you know what's so crazy about it? Before huh. I do these podcasts, I always throw on cologne with that in mm. mind. I said, I know that people can't smell me, but just in case. <laughs> I said, I'm going to throw some cologne on. And check this out. So what you been up to as of late, bud? I've been recording some brand new stuff that you're gonna, you're just going to want to be happy to check out. Uh, it's a lot of really heavy guitar-based music with a lot of crazy stuff going on. And uh, if you ever get the chance, I want you to go out and sniff the air. Huh. I thought that was a dramatic pause, but you nope. say for real, just go out and sniff the air sometimes. And what's it going to smell like? Teen spirit? I don't know, but it'll smell like something. <laughs> it'll give you some inspiration. It gives you some inspiration just to go out and get some fresh air. That's right. You know what? Yeah, it's um, funny you should mention that. I mean, my lady friend was watching um, Wally. I don't know if you've seen that. The movie. robot movie. Yes. And one yes. thing in particular about um, getting some fresh air, I remember the people that was in the floating chairs. And, oh, and, man. And, yeah, oh, yeah. It seemed uh... like they was going outside getting much fresh air, you know, exercise. That's what you I know. think about it, you know, fresh air and so forth. That whole spaceship that was just uh, made to uh, meet all of their needs with the air, the quality and all that stuff. So they didn't really have outside air, but uh, they were just uh, floating along there. That's a horrible place to be in, though, I think. I would you would think so. Yeah, you would think I, so. I don't know. I don't be like... No, no, that type of existence? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, what you if you want to do something? Well, other than float around? Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what? Um, another thing um, that reminded me of, I, I think we eventually we're going to get to guitars. Because, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just for you guys listening, by the end of this video, you should learn a whole bunch of things about guitars. Whole um, bunches of stuff. Yeah, all kinds of stuff and stuff. But what I was thinking about um, Wally in that movie is yeah. how when I was a kid, and I know you're a Doctor Who fan, right? When I was That's a kid, I always wanted, <laughs> always wanted to travel to the future. Now, um, the problem with that now is <laughs> that um, I don't think I would like the future as much as I thought I would. You know, so many things um, have changed. Like I think about when I was coming up. Uh, matter of fact, I, I can't recall how old I was, maybe 10 years of age. And I was counting to the year 2000 to see, um, you know, how old I would be in um, the year 2000. I think I came uh -huh. to 38. And it was amazing. I said 38. I, I can't even imagine being 38 years of age. No. But in, in, in my thoughts about the future, I was always thinking about robots. Um, the technology and stuff that we have, flying cars and stuff like that. Right. But what I didn't take into consideration was the social changes, the things that would occur. It, it never occurred to Nobody me. Nobody ever that, does. Oh, really? You know what? Um, perhaps um, that movie, The Time Machine, that old one. Where he's got that with the big round circle and he pushes the thing and he just and you watch stuff melt and regrow. And exactly. All that now, was what, pretty, that was heavy for the time. It was. Now, one of the things that I noticed, I didn't understand it at the time back then when I was watching the time machine. I noticed that um, civiliz civilization was kind of weird. 
you know, the way that people dress, the way they behaved and stuff. But mm -hmm. even that, I, that still didn't register on me. I was still stuck on the ray guns and, you know, the flying cars. And the stuff flying like cars. That. We're all still stuck on exactly. the flying cars. Why do we have flying cars yet? What's that what's the problem, people? <laughs> so, so the drones, drones don't count? No, no, because that's not, that's not, they're not up in the air. I mean, that's just, can you imagine how loud that is? I mean, holy crap. Because I got this one that's, uh, it's a, it's got a car inside, but the rest of it's uh, very light, probably aluminum or something like that. Uh -huh. And it's just two cages of fans. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So it's it's not even really on the market right now. It's probably god awfully loud. It's a it's a double helicopter with the things placed differently. So it's not really a flying car like we're talking about. Like we're talking about uh, you know, anti gravity, uh, exactly kind of technology. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I have the same thoughts. It seems like to me the the flying car um it doesn't really qualify unless it has like you said, it has that anti-gravity thing going on. Yeah. 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 Well propellers propellers seem almost like a ripoff, so to speak. They do. So, they do. Yeah. They seem so so clandestine and and, and old. <laughs> yeah, primitive and stuff. Oh so right, primitive. brothers. Yeah. <laughs> and can, can you imagine if you had to go out there and uh, jumpstart all four of your propellers? In the winter? Yeah, I think you had to spin the propeller down and stuff. You got to go and get four of them going. The de-icer company would be making tons of money. True, true that and stuff. It out. Um, speaking of future and trying to um, get back to the guitars, um, mm -hmm. Jet Screamer. Remember Jet Screamer and the Jetsons? <laughs> Man, that guy knew what was up. It yeah, was all the way. Or I love you. Stuff, yeah. And check this out. You know that song that he played. He stole that from me, you know. No way. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote that in the future. Oh, that's funny and stuff. I was gonna ask you, did you ever try to play that song? Because one of the um, one of the things that I wanted to do from learning, you know, play the guitar, one of the things was to learn some of the songs that I grew up um, you know, listening to. Uh, yeah. And I was uh, wondering, no, did that you song get... in particular, no, I've never learned that. But there's a couple of songs that when I was a kid and I was just starting to learn to play and uh uh, just silly songs that I had learned to uh, play. One of them was uh, uh, Applejack. It was by uh, Bernadette Peters sang it, and it was on The Muppet Show. It was on the last one. And I just kind of learned how to play that one day, and I started playing it. Uh, what was another one? Uh, uh, this is, there's been tons. It still happens to this day. The songs I just got to learn to play. They're crazy, like uh, the Golden Girls theme. But no that's a great song. Really? Yeah, because it's just it's so eighties, and it's it's just so eighties uh, adult contemporary, and they just do these things that are, I don't know, it's pretty good, it's pretty good. Yeah, um, tell you something. Um, one, one concern I had about um actually trying to learn music, music theory, playing instruments, was that it would um diminish, I don't know, my listening experience. It might um somehow alter. Or ruin my um, appreciation for music. Do you find anything like that happens to you? Like the more you know about music, that it ruins the appreciation for it. Do you ever come across anything like that? No, I find the more that you learn about it, and the more you're able to understand uh, the language and what you're hearing, and compared to the language, the more you actually get out of it because you know you can pick out certain things, and it's fun because you see, oh, there's formulas here. I don't know. I'm one of those people who, you know, when they find the pattern and when they find the formula, be like, oh, that's it. We figured it out. You know, you, you just you it opens you up to hear all this stuff that you didn't know was there. Yeah. And uh, it, it makes you a better musician because you're like, I want to I want to try to do that. Then. 
you know, based on those ideas and those those uh, concepts, it's it, it really does. It opens up a whole new world for that. I mean, when you're just focusing directly on um, uh, just the language and the, uh, you know, just the theory of it, then you, you lose a lot of stuff. You have to actually understand there's passion involved, but there's there's an equation to the passion. Right. You know, I was thinking, um, I think I was thinking along the lines of um, a magician. And mm -hmm. uh, once you learn the trick, you know, to, uh, it takes um, some of the magic, you know, out of the magic trick once you learn it. I have found that that is uh, opposite when it comes to music. I find there's more magic in it when you can define what you're trying to talk about. Because all these people say, I don't know what that is, but I like it. And there's uh -huh. there's names for that stuff. And so when you can name what you like it's another form it's a higher form of communication be like this you know this minor seventh going into this you know uh a uh, minor second uh that that really changed the whole aspect of the tune there coming from where it was at mm -hmm. uh, i'm not saying everyday people would would care about it but as a musician mm -hmm. uh learning this stuff it's it's a language and it's an it's it makes you have an ability to communicate that with other people which allows you to understand and grasp all the little intricate things that are coming in that seem like they're these impossibilities like that. How did you come up with that? Well, it's this formula that says you can do that. Hmm. So, which leads me to another question Something I was thinking about, actually reading about the other day. Mm -hmm. um, this guy, they said he's um, pretty much like a novice to the music scene. And he has like, I think like the number one record out now. I think it's um, the Rich Men North of Richmond. I've heard, uh, yes, yeah, I heard this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that guy, it's a great tune. Yeah, what what they were saying about this song is that they said it was written for, say, like the average person to mm -hmm. like to understand, and yeah. then they said a lot of the backlash is coming from they said musicians. And one thing what I'm leading to um, is that someone mentioned they said some artists make music for other musicians. Yeah. And then they said some artists make music for people. And they said this big hit, Richmond, north of Richmond, is yep. made for the people. They said it might not be like technically, you know, stunning or something like this spectacular, but it says made for people to understand. But what do you think about that? Making music for musicians versus uh, making music for the people, for the masses. I, I'm actually for both. Uh, I, the big thing right now is making music for the people. And it's very important because the people are the ones who are listening to you. So if you, you know, if you can grab them, if you can grasp them by the by the soul, you know, which is really what music is trying to do. It's trying to grab you someplace deep and get you, woo you know, uh, it's very important to do that. And it's uh, musicians coming down on them. It's like a, easiest songs. Like what's easy? It's easy to you. I've been teaching guitar for a while and there's some people who just straight up don't understand how to change from a D to a G. And that's nothing against them. That's just some people have skills that other people don't. But the the thing is, uh, the, the simplistic songs, the reason they're, they're considered simplistic is because the, the average Joe can get into it and can understand it and knows where it's going and knows what's happening and can feel you know the the lyrics meshing with the music. See, uh, un unlike um, that um, abstract jazz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not for everybody. I'm not saying I don't like it. It's one of my favorite right. things to listen to. Right. Uh, you I'm probably understand it, it. 
I very yes, I, I yeah, uh, but a lot of people don't, and it's a musician's music, and that stuff does exist, and you know, it's not for everybody. It's not meant to be for everybody. You know, I've, oh. I've had people come to uh, uh, go to shows for abstract jazz, and they've left. They're like, "This is nonsense. This is this is noise." Right. You know, and I've heard people say the same thing about you know. Uh, Hip hop, clowncore, hip hop, <laughs> hip hop. Yeah, and, and check this out. If you would, real quick, um, but a little bit I that like I understand. Yeah, the little thing I understand about um jazz, um, is that um, there's a lot of ad libbing. I think um, a lot of ad libbing in it and stuff. Yeah, I mean, just from a little bit I understood, and it actually helped me to appreciate jazz more. Once I realized that it's a song, but the 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 musicians have some leeway. They can, you know, jazz it up a bit, so to speak. So stuff. to speak. <laughs> yeah. So to speak. Right. Right. That's absolutely correct. Uh, jazz is based on yeah. What see? There is a lot of improvisation in there. Improv. And what it is, yeah. um, you have to know the rules to know how to break them, and they know some pretty deep rules and by rules i mean like again equations patterns like these certain patterns go together in this way and as long as you follow through there is then as long they got these things called passing notes which are notes in between two notes that don't make sense but they do because it's just like uh -huh, and there's um yeah jazz jazz is an amazing beast it's incredible right. um the beats the 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 background because a lot of the times in jazz the the background the the rhythm section is just doing something really simple like uh i don't know like uh let me see here oh that's probably not the best sound for this but anyway uh <laughs> or even something simpler like uh you know like and then you just uh, you're in C, so I don't know. As soon as you know the rules, as soon as you know the equations, and you found the patterns, it's all about patterns. It's not just random. There are mm -hmm. patterns being used there. They might be going from bar to bar to bar to bar to bar, mm -hmm. and they're using different equation for every bar, but there's still a pattern within it. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, that's cool. I actually understood about the passing note thing. I think there's some notes that are supposed to go together, but you can get away with using one of those yeah. notes that really don't supposed to go. And jazz do that a lot. That's oh, man. true. Yeah. And that little piece that you was playing there, I thought you was getting ready to start playing Come On Eileen. It reminded <laughs> me of the beginning of that when Eileen comes up. Remember that song? That's, uh, that's how that song goes. But away. Oh, yeah. A lot of pop tunes use a lot of uh, jazz uh, chord progressions, chord Chord progression. Oh wow, uh, cool. Oh yeah. To this day they do. You know, yeah, reminds, me, yeah. reminds me of um, what was it the axis of awesome? You remember those guys? And they played, they said the last um they said over the last 40 years was actually the same song. Yeah. Did you ever see that one? Yeah. 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 They're just playing different parts of the same song over Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. I think it was like that chord progression. Mm -hmm. It's like a super famous chord progression. They said like almost all songs use well, this stuff. Mm -hmm. I'll show you chord progressions. All right. Here's all you need to know about chord <laughs> progressions because they're uh, unless you're uh, coming up with a completely new song, which happens a lot, uh, you don't really have to worry 
about these. All right. First of all, we'll start off with the blues chord progression. Uh, we call it a one, four, a five, because your one, uh, um, let's say G right now is the one, because okay. one. Where's four? Uh, G, A, B, uh, G, A, B, C. Four. Four. So what's four? C. So we go from. Now what's a five? If C is four, uh, C, D, five. So now, that's your one, four, and five chord progression when you come to blues. Five. Now another uh, chord progression. This is the one they use all over the place now. It started way back in the, uh, the 60s there when somebody came up with it. But now they've come up. It's a, a one, one, five, six minor, four, which sounds like this. I'm sure you've heard this everywhere. This is every song. <laughs> I get like that. Axis is awesome. Every song is like that with that chord progression. Yeah, every song. Every song you come across is uh, from the 90s all up to today. I mean, there's a few different things that happen beyond the thing, but that's that's pretty right. much it. Check this out. So many questions, but so these chord progressions, since they um people use them all the time, this isn't what people get in trouble for, like when they copy songs. No, 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 no. What did, what did, what did they, yeah, what did they get in trouble for? I mean, besides like lyrics or something, but lyrics what, are a big yeah. part of it. Yeah, uh, what part of the song getting people in trouble? Part of the song is getting people in trouble is is taking. Uh, well, it's happening a lot in sampling nowadays too, because people there's only a certain amount of song that you can use that has to sound like somebody else's song or actually be their song that you can use legally before it's plagiarism before it's you get uh you know legal things happen right i forget how much time it is but uh, that's why they only use a certain amount of samples and people can exactly um, <laughs> thank you john fogarty was sued by his own company uh, for running through uh, run through the jungle and this other song I forget which one, but um, he got sued for plagiarism for his own song by his record company. So he didn't own his masters anymore or something. It's something like that, and he just he made the song that sounded very much like Run Through the Jungle, but it was a it was a completely different song. Uh, but it sounded the same the same riff. The same basic, you know, riff, and his record company sued him. So did the course um, go with that? Um, oh yeah, no, he got he yeah he he got uh, he got. Wow. Yes, yes. Uh, kind of the same thing happened to George Harrison, um, because there was that song he had, "My Sweet Lord," mm -hmm. and evidently enough of that song, enough time in that song like it was like 12 seconds at the time or something like that was enough for it to be considered plagiarism by this other band this uh doo-wop group which one it was um and they sued him and won 
because wow. it was enough stuff. They called it subconscious plagiarism, and he still he uh, he had to pay out a he had to pay out a sum. You know what? That's cool. I'm glad they have a term like that. Matter of fact, the Beatles. I recall reading something about the Beatles where um two I think it was George, and he would say to um maybe John after they wrote a song. He said, "Here, here, listen. Have you heard this before?" Right. And all of them were like, "Listen, I don't believe so." So I think it's a real danger. Just from writing songs myself, it's a real danger. You have to ask yourself, "Am I getting this from somewhere else? Mm -hmm. Have I heard this from somewhere else?" Mm -hmm. yeah so now what was that term again inadverted or unconscious what was that again subconscious plagiarism subconscious plagiarism that's yeah i guess was, so uh, that's what now, got him yeah let's let's get a little deep now all right let's go um when you write a song mm -hmm. isn't that what we're doing anyway i mean like some kind of subconscious plagiarism aren't we writing songs that we've heard somewhere before or pieces of it or something um well I don't know. I mean, as a musician, I'm going to say yes, because when, when you hear songs and shit, you'd be like, I want to write something like that. I want to write something like that. I want to write something with that kind of energy or that kind of sound and shit like that. That I got I to write a whole new song. Man, I wish I wrote that song. So what you end up doing is, you know, and that's the evolution of music. Right? I have no problem with that. Right. I have no problem with people like, you know, taking a certain sound and and working stuff with it, because that's that's how we progress. Um. But, uh, I, yeah, I mean, it's not, I don't think in that point it's subconscious plagiarism. I think it's it's just more like we're, we just, we want to emulate something that we thought was great. Mm -hmm. You know, and we're doing that uh, through our skills and talents. We're not directly just taking it and doing that. Otherwise, we just call it a cover. Yeah. You know, and I've done that before, but I've also taken covers and made them sound completely different from the original songs. I, I listened to the song and be like, you know, it'd sound good if we did it like, if, if somebody did it like this. Well, mm -hmm. hell, I'll just do it like that. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a, yeah, that's a beautiful yeah. thing about doing music yourself. You can um, hear a song and say, hey, I would like to change this. And you can make it the way you always wanted it to. Yeah. You know, um, back in, um, I got 70s, maybe early 80s when boom boxes were the rage. There was a song um, called Apache. Right. And um, I, I loved um, a certain portion of it. So what I would oh, do. Oh, yeah, I know that song. I know that song. Yeah. yeah. What I would do yeah. is um, record that certain part that I liked and just kept recording it over and over again. So, you know, I extended yeah. it and stuff, you know. And um, and I was thinking, like, the, that song itself has been remade several times. But as far as I know, yeah. no one's got sued over it. You know, the different versions of it. Yeah. So I, I think, mean, I, yeah, I think one of the things is, um, I think um, really gets people upset a lot is when somebody, I think, try to pass off something like as their own right. without, um, you know, giving some recognition, you know, to people. Some credit to the people who originally made it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and you know what? Yeah. I don't really see a problem with that, especially if um, somebody has to get some money from it. I, I don't understand that. Why wouldn't you want to give somebody a couple dollars and stuff if you made for some money? For their work. Off? Yeah. For their hard earned efforts, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. That's I don't why, understand you know, that. The biggest problem I have with samples, like I never had a problem with samples as mm -hmm. long as you credit the guys. Like if you use a certain amount of it, I guess, legally or at all, in my opinion. Right. If you use a certain amount of this thing, you should be, I don't know, just morally obligated to be like, hey, I use some of your stuff on my thing. Can, can I give you some dollars? I was like, okay. Um, yeah, you know, because I, I don't mind hip hop artists. I don't mind... Uh, I don't mind electronic EDM as long as it's 
really good. Yeah. You know, as long as it's good. Um, I read a book from the 70s about music. And it was a history of stuff. And one of the last chap last couple of chapters, it was talking about how people had just started to take um, bits and pieces of other pieces of music and put them in to uh, a whole new uh, creation. Mm -hmm. And that was back in the 70s, you know, the mid 70s and stuff. Wow. People were working with that. Uh, I think well, there was also this guy named uh, Edgar Varez, and he used to do this weird stuff where he would take um, tape, tape machines, mm -hmm. which were a you know big deal back then. Right. And he used to run those record machines and run them all together and bang, you know, uh, metal things while this was happening. Mm -hmm. And you know, the first time he played his uh, first piece in public half the people in the auditorium left and the other half stayed and asked him to play it again wow yeah mm -hmm. yeah making music was crazy back then i looked at the procedure i mean we have this so good now i mean people still complain about how we have it now but yeah yeah back in the days with all that tape and cutting and splicing and oh, have you man. ever done that before it's actually fun it's time well, consuming, but it's no fun. not to make well in a way but it was just double cassettes i didn't go through with the slicing the razor blade and yeah you know, no, i never did that i mean repairing cassettes remember when you used to snap and oh yeah like, cut you and tape slice them and then you yeah. get the tape and you're like yeah, there's a little blip it. there but it works yeah but no yeah. nothing like what you talk about as far as editing in that way hey but let's get mm -hmm. um the chord changes you mentioned um Changing chords. Matter of fact, that's holding me up on the song. Um, the transition from uh, transition, changing from the E to the D. There's a song where I have to go back and forth from the E to the D. The matter of fact, yeah, yeah, it's in um, it's in that song um, "After Dark" by Tito and the Tarantula, <laughs> and it goes from the E to the D. And I'm caught up on that one. I'm trying to find ways like sliding up, keeping an anchor finger. Sliding up, you know, a fret, and then sliding back down a fret, but while maintaining that anchor finger. There we go. So we got the E here. Where are we? Uh-huh. And we got the D down here. Now, do you use an anchor finger, or are you lifting all your fingers off? Oh, no. I, I just lift them off. I just know where the... Uh, so See, it took so many times. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's your recommendation for people having trouble um change changing um from transitioning from one chord to the other? How you get um clear that hurdle? How you get past that? Uh just keep doing it over and over and over again until you get it. Just <laughs> just keep doing it. Because it's gonna be frustrating. I'm not gonna lie to you, it's gonna be frustrating. You're gonna be mad. <laughs> You're gonna be mad. Right. But you just that's what I did. Uh, was I found the two hardest chords it was for me to change between and I started with that and I think it was the uh, G and the C it was G and C when I was growing up mm -hmm. it was G mm -hmm. to the C that was hard yeah. as hell like I couldn't do that wow did you what, what, when did you notice that you got it because I found that um things the the hurdles that I have 
I really don't realize that I've cleared that hurdle until after I've done it. Like, oh, wow, I didn't mess up that time. <laughs> How does yeah. it work for you? That's what happened with you? Uh, the way it happened with me, like I said, I was doing it over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, it's like weightlifting, I think I could compare it to. Because you try and try, and the 10th time you fail, but the 11th time you get it, and then you can do it. Right. And then you can do it. That was what it was for me. I just kept doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. And finally, it just was like, oh. And then it happened, and I was like, okay, do it again. Don't forget how to do that. And that's right. that's really it was just like raw discipline for me. <laughs> no, all right, that's cool. Now, that I gave I, to myself at the time because I was not disciplined in anything when I was growing. Well, I mean, I you know, I was a child. Right. So I mean, you know, and that was the only thing that was disciplined for me. This is like this, you just keep doing it, just keep going. So it's something that you really wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just did it until I got it. And then uh, yeah, there's been a couple of times when I've, like Beatles songs especially, Beatles songs especially, I've been, uh, I've worked on them and all this stuff, and I've, I've gone out and I, I went and played live, not even thinking that I could actually do it. And I went out there and it just happened. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, uh, it was just like fluid. It was just like supposed to happen that way. Incredible. Yeah. It up, but we're getting down to it. Um, mm -hmm. Before we get out of here, where can people find your music? Online? They can find my music yes. all over the place. Just Google Bud Zunga, B-U-D-D-Z-U-N-G-A. You can find it at BudZunga.com, BudZunga YouTube, a couple of different sites, uh, SoundCloud, uh, Facebook. It's all over the place. Did Actually, you know. Brian and I did a uh, neat little tune at one point in time. That's true. That How can I live thing. without your love, girl? That was a great collaboration. We call it super collab. <laughs> Yo, yeah, I got tight, man. Appreciate you so much. Man, um, I'm gonna might have to get like um another another interview with you. That um that song when when I came up, and I, yeah, I gotta tell you, I appreciate you so much because um it was appreciate very you, new man. to yeah, it was very new to music and had this song, had this idea, and um I couldn't believe that you said yes. You know, I was like, wow. I mean, hey, you know, like I said, I know nothing about it. Didn't really know how to approach people about doing Well, it sounded so damn good. It sounded so classy and it sounded so, like, well-produced and everything. It's like, oh, this really? wow. what he's doing. This guy. I, I, like, I absolutely that. want to be a part of this, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that, was, um, that was like a big moment in my life. And I appreciate that. Now, check this out. Okay. Um, what actually got you started in music? How did you get started in music? What was that impetus? Remember now, we were getting down in time. So uh, my dad, God rest his soul, was a Nashville studio musician back in the 70s. Has an album out, uh, had an album out. It's called Buddy Harris Foundation. It's back there from behind me. I see it. Uh, and he was just an amazing musician. And for the longest time, when I was growing up, I just thought it was just, you know, it's silly to be a musician. Like, that's just, just silly. Who does that? You know, you become doctor. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? So, you know, for the longest time, I just didn't. And uh, I think when I was nine, they bought me uh, an acoustic guitar. And I started just learning. He started just teaching me just stuff on it. Uh, you know, basic chords, basic ideas, uh, formulas and whatnot. And I played it for a while, and then I lost interest. And then the... Uh, Beatles Anthology came on TV 
uh, on ABC, I think it was in 94. And I saw them walk out on Shea Stadium and start playing. And I said, uh, thank God I know how to play guitar a little bit because I, that's what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And that's just what it has been. Wow, that's so cool. Get bit by the bug at a young age and stuff. You see so many greats that happen still. And yeah. but like I said, we're getting down to it. And one other thing, I appreciate you. You're the inspiration, part of the inspiration for me learning how to play the guitar and uh, to keep playing. It really you inspired me. And there was another guy in there too, Derek. He's pretty helpful too. I know you know. Yeah, Derek. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. What, what, was it Magneto Flow? That's what Magneto Flow, Derek D'Amico. That's right. That's right. That guy's gone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah, love but it. yeah, you you bought in, you and Derek um like encouraged me to play guitar and stuff. And even though I've been playing for quite a few years now, still suck at it, but I'm still no. playing. I'm still playing the guitar every day. You're doing great, man. You're doing I appreciate fucking great. you. And check this out before you go, as yeah. customary with the podcast, like to ask the guests to leave us with some parting words, words of wisdom, anything will get off your chest or whatever. Give you a moment to think about something. Be good to each other. The world is a difficult place. So just be good to each other. That's all. Wow. That's pretty cool. One moment, please, bud. Everybody, end of another podcast. And they're partying and such sweet song and all that good stuff. Be sure to check out our previous Yambar podcast guests. And be sure to check out Bud Zunga online. And never forget that the Yambar podcast is a place where you can make it happen. Once again, Brian Barcelona here with Bud Zunga. Peace, everybody. Next time. Thank you, bud.